This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason, and with you as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. What is going on? Not a whole lot. We're uh, you know we're, we're diving through these uh, fifty point games, of course, splitting them up into era. We've gotten through you know the vast scoring of Wilts, and now we're getting into the swinging late sixties and seventies. Yeah, so we're 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 going to talk about a lot of different names here. I think uh, which is is good though because I enjoyed that the last show we did a lot more of. You know, just kind of diving into Wilt and these insane Wilt facts or whatnot, which is important in this series. But I think this also becomes cool, too, because, like, we're going to talk about a bunch of different names uh, in this era. And it kind of fits, as we've always sort of talked about, this era in NBA history, the the late 60s and the 70s. is just, like, a bizarre era in NBA and, and you know, basketball history and professional basketball history because you get the inclusion of the ABA. So a lot more teams, a lot more players, a lot more sort of oddities. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this episode. Yeah, it's, it's a fun one. And, and this is definitely an era... You know, up to this point, we're we're starting in '67. So from '49 to '66, we've had 18 players with 50 or more in a game. It's been done 169 times. 116 of those are by Wilt Chamberlain. So if you take Wilt out of the equation, it's even more rare. But it's it's a relatively small club. All of them eventual Hall of Famers, with the exception of Rudy LaRusso, even though he was a five-time All Star. You know, pretty good star player. Um, but looking at the next few seasons up through 74 we're gonna have 35 new members of the club in just you know eight seasons uh 21 of those in the hall of fame so a a lot more players obviously a lot fewer hall of famers a lot of chances for you know kind of weird random guys that most modern fans probably haven't heard of even a few guys here i'm a little you know iffy on so um it's a fun opportunity to dive into some obscure guys as, as you were alluding to yeah, no, and it, it's an interesting fact too that everybody but Larusso were, were were eventual Hall of Famers, and that's to me kind of odd because you know these days, and we we did you know one of our shows uh, earlier in the series where we talked about just sort of the the most random fifty point games or whatnot, and there was plenty to choose from. You know what I mean? There was plenty of guys that we could have kind of dove into, but at this point, like yeah, you're you're there's really no unlikely 
50 point scorers. I mean, everybody that's scored it is basically like, yeah, well, they're the elite of the elite, the best of the best. Uh, and, and Rudy LaRusso, who's the only lone, you know, non Hall of Famer, as you said, isn't like a nobody or, or, or nothing. He's still, you know, a five time all star and still a pretty good player, but probably just right out on the cusp of being a Hall of Famer. Whereas now we're going to get to some guys that it's like, I didn't hear about them until you know their name appeared on the stock, and that's pretty fun though to to start getting into this era now too, where where maybe it doesn't become a little bit easier, but but it, we we get a few different unique names in here. So yeah, and um, you know, it, looking at the the, the seasons from sixty seven through seventy four, there were eighty four fifty plus games at all. This is down from one hundred and twenty seven from the last period we looked at, which was sixty two to sixty six. So obviously fewer seasons. Wilt had 100 of those 127, so obviously just accounting for a huge percentage of that. Um, Rick Barry is going to be the star of this era. 17 uh, 50-plus point games during this time, 22 for his entire career. Also, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to have quite a few, and Will Chamberlain's going to have a few as well. He's going to kind of wrap up uh, you know, his uh, scoring binges here. He's going to have a few uh, coming up, especially the next two seasons. And uh, 1.06% per- of, of all games were 50 plus uh during this time and 62 had the record with 15 percent uh and you know there were looking at this era you're looking usually like three or four percent the 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 prior era now we're getting down to the point where we're getting a new league getting more games you know we're gonna have higher numbers of um of uh players and higher numbers of uh of rates but it's gonna be a smaller percentage because there are so many more games going on Right, right, right. Yeah, you, you've added teams, you've added leagues, you've you've just increased everything about the league, and 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 you know, and added a complete other league. But yeah, it's the actual percentages are going to go down a little bit, even though, um, yeah, we're we're seeing a few more names, and yeah, obviously a few more games, like you said. But uh, yeah, I don't think any nothing's going to top that uh, 1962. But yeah, it's still pretty fun nonetheless. Yes, yeah, and then average true shootings uh, for the NBA shooting percentage in, in this era, fifty point five percent, which is up from forty eight point six percent in the previous era. So guys are uh, starting to be a little more efficient in their uh, shooting so yeah and and we'll obviously with the aba we'll get into you know the three-point shot as well right. playing a big factor and you know three is more than two and if you shoot some threes and throw those in there obviously nobody was quite prolific or there's no clay thompson's in these days but no. uh, there were a few guys that benefited by having you know a shot that was worth a few more points so absolutely absolutely yeah so um and, you know and we're drawing down on the absolutely huge scoring bin um era 67 is 1.7 percent of regular season games are uh, 50 plus this is with a 10th team added to the nba the bulls uh, in 68 we go down below one percent um which is the first time since the uh since the late 50s that was the case uh we get the first year of the aba and the 11th and 12th teams added to the nba so we go from 405 total games played 921 which just i kind of imagine doubling the amount of games that are played you know um in pro basketball in just one season is pretty dramatic uh and then whenever we're, we're gonna be pretty much uh below one percent uh of games being 50 plus with the exception of a, a few different random errors including the early 70s and then we've we've kind of had a spate of them uh in the last few years again 920 2017 2018 and 2019 is guaranteed to finish above one percent but outside of a few other small stretches not really that that's a pretty rare thing so this is you know where we're winding down in this as well Mm -hmm. absolutely uh 67 we have uh nine 50 plus games and rick barry has seven of them uh this is his uh second season in the league 
Uh, and Will Chamberlain changes his role. He only has one for the entire season. And uh, this is, of course, famously the year where he, uh, you know, the the Philadelphia 76ers get Alex Hannum as coach and built around Wilt being more of a defensive and uh, and playmaking force. And the, he still has some some great scoring, but it is uh, it's down from those peaks. And, you know, Coincidentally, not coincidentally, uh, the, the he has his greatest team success is the uh, Sixers win 68 uh, wins. They get 68 wins and they uh, dethrone the Celtics for the championship. Yeah, so he you know traded in some of the scoring binges for a ring. So uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, you got he, he had the scoring, he had all that, but I uh, was missing something big in his life, and that was uh, you know the, the regular that you know the success uh, in, right. in the NBA. So he finally did get it here, even though yeah, his his scoring is now kind of taking a back seat, and and the team has improved for it. So. Right, absolutely. So. Um so going through a few of the games from the 67 season, uh, Rick Barry, uh, he, uh, his first is on October 29th, 66, 57 points. Uh, I think it's his second, uh, overall 50 plus. He had won uh, the previous season. Uh, and then he, um, he has, uh, an ignoble mark on uh, December 8th, 66, where he has, he records the worst non wilt true shooting percentage in a 50 plus point game in nba history uh 47.9 uh, which is only like slightly below like league average so i guess it's not really that right bad, right but, right right but, but yes <laughs> usually they're you know they're, they're generally much higher obviously if you're taking that many if you're scoring usually obviously taking a lot of shots but you're making them too so um he also has the second um christmas 50 ever um he and then uh uh, and then Wilts comes on February 13th, uh, 1967. Uh, he had 58 points, 25 rebounds, six assists on 72 true shooting percentage. And that is his 116th of his career and his first after the age of 30. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just a pretty interesting thing to see now as, as he's sort of adjusting. And yeah, we're going to come up with some fun facts here. Uh, with Wilt's, uh, you know, his, his next few fifty-point games, but now every single time you're going to kind of talk about it, it's 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 different. It's unique, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not going to be commonplace anymore with him. There's going to be ones that stand out. There's going to be little things that he does in these that that are pretty fun. But uh, yeah, this is the first one here, and and unfortunately, uh, there's not going to be that many more, which is interesting. Right? Yeah, it, it, he's winding down in that absolutely. Uh, so uh, then Barry on February 14th and February 16th, he has uh, 50 plus in back to back games. He's the uh, first other than Wilton Elgin Baylor to do that. And then uh, we get into the playoffs, uh, March 28th, 67, Sam Jones with 51 points. Uh, that is the ninth 50 plus in playoff history. He also breaks his own record for the oldest player to score 50 plus, which would last until 1978. This happens in a series clinching game four against the Knicks. Uh, this is the only the third 50 plus point game in Celtics history. Um, and two of those had been in the playoffs. So, yeah, that's 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 fun. Yeah, I like uh, breaking your own record for the oldest player. You go ahead and do that, Sam. Yeah. yeah way to go. Yeah. Uh, nice deal. And then um, and then Rick Barry caps off his uh, his history making season or you know, history making for him. Certainly, I guess non wilt history making season. Uh, with his uh, 55 in the uh, playoffs, actually in the in the finals, in fact, the third time that's happened in the finals, um, he has uh, 55, 12, and 5, uh, 48 true shooting. So another uh, low uh, mark in that regard. And uncharacteristically, he's 11 of 19 from the free throw line. So I know. Come on, Rick. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's ways to make free throws. Why would he just not do that? I, I, it's, I don't you know. know. 
for somebody who you know <laughs> we we never miss an opportunity to to laugh anytime Rick Barry does have a game where he doesn't like make every free throw sure. because he's such just a he's just such an ass when people miss free throws so you know we have to do that to him so that's that's fine that, absolutely that's, we have a love hate with Rick oh um, yeah we do we do more hate perhaps but uh, <laughs> I, you know. That's we right. love to hate him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, well, I think that's sort of the story of Rick Barry's career. People love to hate him. Right. So, yeah, love to hate him. Yeah. A great player, and and I I think honestly, like under I, one thing, you you know, obviously, he's one of the great players in NBA history. That he was, you know, a scoring force, a playmaking force, a revolutionary in terms of switching leagues and gaining a lot for player rights, and you know, and really a you know a transcendent player in a lot of ways, and and because of the era that he played in, kind of you know forgotten a little bit unfairly. Um, and I, I think I appreciate even more just seeing like, wow, he had these scoring binges that are up there with, you know, um, among the best players in NBA history, you know, non will edition. I mean, he's, you know, I, I, he's fifth or sixth on the list all time in, in terms of number of games. So that's, uh, that, that's pretty incredible. Plus, you know, any, I don't even necessarily think of scoring as absolutely the number one thing that he did really well. I mean, he's such a great playmaker. He was, you know, he was really good at all facets of the game. He was a great, just offensive player overall, you, a little bit like LeBron where LeBron's, um, you know, he's obviously a fantastic score up there in the all-time list but you know he does so many other things well you don't even necessarily think of scoring as his primary weapon yeah absolutely and I, I think as well we, we kind of discovered a little bit more in our basketball mysteries of the 70s of how important he was to the ABA as well when he moved over there and and obviously bringing you know a star to that league or whatnot so obviously yeah yeah he's a guy that probably does get underappreciated uh legacy wise uh compared to you know where he where he probably should be yeah um so diving into 68, uh, so Rick Barry is going to sit out this year because he has defected to the ABA but has to uh, sit out a year um, because of uh, not playing his uh, his option year. The option clause issue that the NBA was still restricted under, they, he was uh, he had to sit out the year rather than um, rather than go to his ABA team. Uh, so that gives the opportunity for other players to step in, and uh, it's Will Chamberlain, his last stand. He has a four... Uh, 50-point games this year out of the eight total. This is the first year for the ABA, so they're, they are bringing in some two. They There are two in the ABA, six in the NBA, and we have four new members of the 50-plus uh, club. Yeah, we do. We have uh, we have Willis Reed, Larry Jones, Earl Monroe, and Louis Dampier. I can't in good conscience talk about Larry Jones. I think you have to because he is one of yours, one of your native sons. Yes. So uh, go ahead. Columbus, Ohio's own uh, Larry Jones uh, from from where I live. Uh, he uh, from your house? You live in Larry Jones's house? I, I literally live in Larry Jones's house. Yeah, right, right here Larry right now. Jones. Yeah, right. He, Larry, bring, bring him on the show. I mean, come on. I, I know he's he's shy. He's, he's shy, really shy. But. Yeah, otherwise he would have. Yes. So um, he uh, he had a short stint with the 76ers in 1965. Then he spent two years in the Eastern League before finding a spot with the Denver Rockets in the ABA's first season. Uh, and in his first trip to play in Pittsburgh, Jones stayed on the team plane to escape a subpoena by the Eastern League that disputed his <laughs> jump to the ABA. So uh, that's always fun. Uh, he was known primarily as a terrific jump shooter. He was a four-time ABA All-Star, actually led the ABA points per game in the 69 season and was the first ABA player with 5,000 career points. So uh, also important in uh, in terms of uh, labor rights for the ABA, he, uh, he was the uh, ABA All-Star Game MVP in 1970, and before that, led a threatened strike before the game as the ABA un- uh, Players Union president. So he gained some concessions through that. Similar, of course, the, the more famous story with um, with Elgin Baylor in, uh, and uh, and Bob Cousy and all the other you know mm-hmm. ABA uh, or NBA All Stars in the early 60s. Um, and then he ended up uh, being traded from Denver after a salary dispute. 
Uh, he once protested by wearing a railroad suit, claiming that that was all he could afford. I believe that story is in uh, is in Loose Balls. Uh, and also, yeah, after that, teamed with Matt Calvin in a high-scoring backcourt for the Miami Floridians before bouncing around the ABA, ending his career actually again with the Sixers a little bit in the uh, in the late 70s. And then later, he'd become the director of player personnel in the Women's Professional Basketball League in the late 70s, early 80s, and did some coaching. So Yeah, good for him. That's very career. Columbus yeah. is very own, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it appears here that I'm hoping you don't see him because it appears that he uh, he worked as a state corrections officer. Right in uh, in Columbus, so it's a good thing you probably have not run into Larry Jones that often. No, uh, in Columbus, but uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff there. So as mentioned, Willis Reed. I wouldn't have to really meant you know tell you too much more about Willis Reed. You probably know about him. Uh, Irma Monroe, we've talked about a bunch here, and Louis Dampier. If you go back to our uh, basketball mysteries of the seventies, I think you'll hear uh, a little bit about Louis Dampier. He's one of the uh, the early uh, three point shooting. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't that great at it, but he took a hell of a lot of them. So yeah. good for him. Yeah, uh, he, in the he, ABA. Yeah, he was. I, I think he was fine. Like yeah, he for was fine. Time, obviously, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> like nobody. No. Knew how to do it so sure like yeah but but yeah he's one of the first guys there, there was quite a few but yeah he was one of the kind of the I mean, probably the best of, of, of those early guys at, at, at taking the three-pointers so pretty cool stuff from him but uh yeah this is all significant too because uh rick barry you'll notice that we have not mentioned him once before or once yet uh in this year it's because he sat out the year uh because he was going to defect to the aba so we mentioned how important he was uh to the aba but yeah at this point he he sits out the year so that's why uh no rick barry here it's not like he had an uncharacteristically bad year he just didn't play so Right. Yeah. Can't score 50 if you, if you don't play. So No. Uh, real quickly here, uh, look, we kind of do these little look-ins here at like where this era ranks and where you know it, it compares to this year uh, and, and all time. So just kind of give you an idea. The average field goal attempts for 50-point games in this era, 1967 to 74, uh, 34.7. Uh, the average free throw attempts for 50-point games in this era, 14.2. And the average true shooting percentage, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, for the entire era, 66% for this time. Uh, just going to give you an idea where that compares. Um, average field goal attempts for 50-point games, NBA history, 34.3. So almost right on the money there uh, with 34. Uh, for the ABA, it's a little trickier because it's kind of incomplete stats, but 35.8 is the field goal attempts. Our 50-point games, but again, it's incomplete, and there's you know, 10, 15 games that we don't really have all that data for, so it's a little little tricky to do that there. Uh, average free throw attempts for 50-point games in the NBA, 14.9. Again, right pretty, pretty close there with uh, 14.2 on uh, this era to 14.9 overall. Uh, then average free throw attempts for 50-point games in ABA history, uh, 13.2, so a little bit under there. Uh, average true shooting percentage, uh, NBA history for 50-point games, 66, so exactly the same as we had in this era, and average true shooting percentage for ABA. Uh, 65.5. So again, right on the money there uh, with this era. And then just kind of give you an idea where it ranks um, in terms of 2019, uh, 31.6 is the amount of uh, field goal attempts uh, in this year's, you know, uh, 50 point games, whereas uh, average free goal, field goal attempts, 50 point games in this era, 34.7. So obviously far less. The three pointer plays a big part in that. Uh, average free throw attempts, pretty close. Uh, 14.1 this year, uh, 14.2 in this era, and then average true shooting percentage. 2019, you probably don't need us to tell you this. It's going to be a very large. It's 72.2 is the average uh, true shooting percentage for 50 point games. This year, uh, in this era, it's going to be 66. So it uh, makes all the sense in the world that that would be sort of the numbers there. But yeah, I'm kind of fascinated that the free throw attempts uh, have remained uh, pretty steady throughout this entire uh, process. Yeah, that is interesting for sure. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to mention about the 68 games, especially Wilts, because he has some really interesting ones here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, December 1st, uh, 67, he has uh, 52, 37, and 2. Uh, he sets a record for the worst free throw percentage in a 50 plus point game, eight for 30 for 27 percent. But he still <laughs> he still has a, a uh, 61 true shooting percentage because he's a 22 of 29 from the floor. So uh, 
uh, so pretty good, <laughs> you know, despite the, uh, <laughs> despite 27% from free throw shooting. So uh, on so many attempts, um, just 15 days later, he has 68, 34, and two. Uh, this is his eighth and final 60, 30 game ever. Uh, very, very few other players have uh, accomplished that. And he did it eight times. No one else, I think, has done it more than once. Um, also, eight of 22 from the free throw line. Still still not very good. Um, and then uh, just four days later, uh, December 20th, his best field goal percentage in a 50-plus point game, 20 out of 23, is 53 points, uh, 38 rebounds, 6 assists. And then uh, toward the end of the season, um, on March 18th, he has his uh, his second 50-plus uh, triple-double, um, which he has uh, 53, 32, and 14. Uh, his last 50-plus with the Sixers franchise, and he has 11 total with them. Uh, he sets records for most rebounds in a triple-double, which is obviously still active. Not a lot of people getting 32 rebounds in a triple-double. And also, he had the most assists in a 50-plus point triple-double until the 2017 season. Uh, and also set a record for field goal per- – oh, this is, a, I believe, an overall NBA record for field goal percentage in a game with um, 30-plus field goal attempts because he was 24 out of 29, uh, 82%. Uh, and this is the uh, 120th 50 plus point game of his career. Yeah, that's <laughs> remarkable. Uh, real quickly, too, for this year before uh, we move on, uh, we were mentioning again the three point line and the ABA obviously bringing the three point line into this. Larry Jones, our first uh, 50 pointer, uh, taking a uh, three pointer. He, he made one. We don't know how many he took because records are a little incomplete, but we do know then later in the year, Louis Dampier, who we mentioned, uh, four of seven from three. Uh, to get to his 50-point game. So that's the only two there uh, where we have any three-pointers in there. But uh, it's going to start becoming uh, kind of a regular commonplace thing here in a bit. So we'll talk about it uh, when that happens. But yeah, Larry Jones is your official first guy to hit 50 while shooting a three. so Or making a three, I should say. So Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so going into 1969, uh, we have uh, nine games overall, uh, four in the NBA, five in the ABA. Uh, our leaders are Will Chamberlain with uh, two, including his final 50-plus game, and two by uh, Connie Hawkins, the only two of his pro career outside of uh, a-, a ABL game that we talked about in the early 60s. And uh, this year, we have four new members of the 50-plus club. Yeah, this is going to be a fascinating, you know, we, we, we keep adding these new names and new numbers and new guys. I'm going to go over these real quick, and then we'll talk about uh, guys here a little bit. We have Elvin Hayes, a uh, new member, uh, Daryl Carrier, who we'll talk about in a bit, Connie Hawkins and Mel Daniels. Uh, we'll kind of give a, uh, a, a magnifying glass here to Elvin Hayes, because this is his rookie season, and he'd be the last rookie to lead the league in points per game, which I think is a fa- kind of a fascinating. I guess it makes sense, because even like the best rookies, it still is kind of tough. But I don't know, for some reason, that does that stat kind of surprise you in any way or no do you do you kind of believe that that would be the case um yeah I, I guess it doesn't completely shock me i mean um i don't know you, know, you might think like kareem would have done it or um you know, there's, right. like a, there's a handful of guys who you could have have seen doing it but you know obviously- or just yeah some guy on a bad team you, you know what i mean like a guy gets drafted number one overall by some crap team or whatever and they're like all right dude just do everything you know we need you to do like but i guess it, it is trickier than we we, we think to, yeah, to and, step in and be the right. leading scorer and, and most rookies don't um it obviously takes a while to come along and, and you really be an elite score. I mean, you're going to have to right. you know, score 25 points per game at least, you know, to lead the league in scoring and, and more most seasons. So that, that's pretty hard to do for a rookie. I would imagine, again, it's probably only been done by, you know, you know, Hayes, Chamberlain, and maybe one or two other players. Yeah. 
All right, so some other stats here on Hayes. He would also lead the NBA uh, twice in rebounds per game, six-time All-Star, uh, three times uh, – or sorry, six-time All-NBA, uh, three times All-NBA first team, and then also a 12-time All-Star. Yes, that sounds more right. It was like six-time All-Star. Kelvin Hayes, come on, he had to do more. Uh, probably scoring weapon, of course, is turnaround jumper, famous turnaround jumper. I uh, missed a total of nine games in his entire career. He never played fewer than 80 games in a season and only missed two games in seven seasons as a Rocket. That is unbelievable. Nine games his entire career. Right. You know, yeah. Like, what the? Yeah. He played a while. Like, it's not a guy who had like a five year career. Like, no, he was there for a long, long time. It's incredible. I played uh, f- uh, his last season for the Rockets in San Diego, uh, the first season for the Rockets in Houston, the last season for the Bullets in Baltimore, and the first season for the Bullets in Washington. So that is either good or bad. I don't know. It seems either it's, move because of Elvin or it's, like, it's weird. Know. You know, I think that's so that works. Yeah. I can't I, tell if that's good or bad. But. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I found that one quite fascinating as I was doing a little basketball <laughs> reference, which I just feel like I had to throw that one in there. Even though, yeah, it's a, yeah, nothing to do with nothing, but it's you know, a, lot, a lot of moving there, you know? Yeah. So. It's, it's interesting there. Uh, 12th all time in points, sixth all time in rebounds, uh, 15th all time in rebounds per game. Uh, and despite, yeah, uh, his, you know, appearances on those all time leaderboards, we mentioned there, all the kind of the credentials he's, you know, pretty much forgotten in terms of like the conversations that you have with, you know, all time conversations or, you know, best players of all time. And it maybe speaks to this era a little bit, or it speaks to something. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. He, he just doesn't really pop up on, on, on many people's radars, which is a, a tragedy. Yeah, right. It, it, it's interesting. Yeah, because he, I mean, he had a lot of team success too. It wasn't like he was stuck. I mean, right, right. I, I mean, the Bullets were not like a glamour team by any means, but they won a championship. I mean, they were, they were, you know, one of the bigger teams at the time. But yeah, he's almost kind of been completely looped out of that. And he's another guy where the personality was considered prickly and, um, you know, there, there's kind of issues there. And obviously, I think the bigger issues because kind of the era that he played in, the footage isn't necessarily there. The, you know, we, they, they don't, his era isn't celebrated like the, you know, 60s and 80s and, and 90s are. So, um, it's just, it's one of those things. But, but I, uh, yeah, definitely, um, and, you know, honestly, we did not include him in our 50 uh, greatest players we did a few years ago. He was kind of the, one of the, so, like, last cutoffs where we were right, uh, right. kind of unsure about that one. So, you know, maybe even did a little bit too. We're but, guilty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're guilty. Yes. There you yes. go. <laughs> Yes. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, really the, um, you know, the, the Connie Hawkins games, we don't really have complete stats for. Uh, he had 57 um, on November 27th, 1968, and 53 on December 5th, ni- uh, 1968. And, um, uh, but, uh, but looking at but going into you know the last two for Will Chamberlain, uh, he had um, these are the last two of his career. His first was uh, January twenty sixth, nineteen sixty nine. Uh, he had sixty at twenty one. His first, of course, for the Lakers, and then his final one is on uh, is on February 9th, nineteen sixty nine, and uh, pretty good way to go. Uh, sixty six points, twenty seven <laughs> rebounds, uh, four assists. Uh, at that point, he had. 122 out of the 191 total 50 plus point games in pro hoops history at that point. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> he had 32 of the 60 point games out of the out of 40 total. Uh and uh this is also the only 66 point pro game ever uh in, that uh, it recorded and he this was the last uh 60 20 game until Shaq reached that point in 2000 and he has 28 of the 32 60 20 games ever. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, oh man, ah, oh, Wilt. I'm gonna miss you, man. I'm gonna yeah. miss you. I'm, I'm glad we have new names, but I'm gonna miss these Wilt facts. Like nobody. I mean, there's gonna be some fun 50 point games coming up, but nobody's got like the Wilt facts. You know, these things yeah. are just nuts. Like, it's, just you know, you know, I love going out with 66 too. 
Right. That's that's the way to go, yeah, man. There you you go. Know I, mean? I, I like, like that. He yeah. does. It's just sixty six. Put it right on him. You know. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. I, yeah, I like that. No one has ever done that before. So that that's a fun <laughs> one. So. Uh, Yes, uh, Mel Daniels. He uh, this season he has fifty six in uh, on in March of sixty nine. Uh, joins the fifty thirty club with at the point at that time was George Mikan, Wilt, uh, Elgin Baylor, and Bob Pettit. Uh, the first fifty plus for the Pacers, the only one of his uh, career. He also had as I said thirty one rebounds in that game. So uh, crosses there. Uh, Larry Jones uh, accomplished it for the second time in his career, and uh, and then Jerry West caps off our nineteen sixty nine season with. Um, uh, 53 points, uh, th- three rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, this is in the uh, NBA Finals, uh, the 11th time in uh, playoff history that this has happened, the fourth time in the Finals. And this is his final 50-plus point game, the seventh of his career, which uh, is a little bit more than I kind of would have expected from uh, West. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and part of it is obviously he's, uh, you know, he's got a few in the 62 and 63 during that scoring binge era. But another guy, like, Obviously, I think of him as a really good scorer, but uh, I don't necessarily think of that like his, as his primary skill, but obviously he could do it. Yeah, I feel of, of him as more of like kind of a floor general guy that's kind of leading everybody else. And 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 of course, yeah, he's, he's going to score out there a little bit. But yeah, we mentioned that in a, in a prior episode, too. He doesn't really strike you as a guy that was going to just explode for like those big scoring binges. And, and, and he did a few times. So it's uh, so it's yeah, we're, we're bidding adieu to many of the, the greats of the years past with this one. Uh, but one guy I want to mention before we move on to 1970 here, uh, Daryl Carrier, who I mentioned a little bit at the top. Uh, he goes seven of 12 from three point land to uh, get his 53 points uh, in November 18th. Uh, 1968. So I think this is, you know, we had uh, Louis Dampier the year prior. Uh, he did, you know, four of seven from the three-point line. This is seven of 12. I mean, this is a guy who who largely did a lot of his work, you know, at the three-point line and uh, can attribute a lot of the, the, the points that he scored in this game to the three-pointer, which is, I think, you know, between him and Louis, uh, really the first time we've seen anybody um, um, do that. And and, and Daryl is the first guy to really just pour it on from three and and would uh, be, a, you know, it'd stand for quite a few number of years. We'll talk about it in a bit, but I mean, that's seven three-pointers uh, in a 50-point game. It's going to be quite quite a while until we get that again. Um, I think, geez, if I'm looking, uh, I'm just kind of doing a quick little scroll. It might be until 1995 uh, until someone scores seven uh, three-pointers a game or shoot seven three-pointers in a game uh, to to get to 50. So interesting little note there for Daryl Carrier. So he's another one of the guys like Louis Dampier who – Saw that three-point line and said, ah, I'm going to shoot from there. Let's right. see what happens. And it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. And, and you wrote a good piece a few years ago on uh, Carrier and Dampier kind of being the, you know, the the Splash Brothers, you know, of their era. Of You know, they were the backcourt for the Kentucky Colonels. They yeah. were, yeah, they were like lighted up at you know a, a huge rate obviously for the time and and really at an unprecedented rate until at least you know starting you know, mid to late 90s when the when the three-point rate started to kind of be near where they were had been in the aba at, at its peak so i forgot about that article thank you i forgot yeah. i wrote that that is a great article you're right yes yeah yeah exactly so um yeah so now moving into uh, a a new decade the 1970s and um we have in the 1970 season itself uh Eight games total, three in the NBA, five in the uh, ABA, and uh, this is uh, we're we're getting uh, expansion in the NBA. So we we have bigger leagues, we got more games. Um, We have let's see, we've gone from um, we went to nine hundred from four hundred five to nine hundred twenty one into sixty eight. Then we have a a thousand and three in sixty nine, and a thousand just a thousand thirty six the next in seventy. So not not that big of a jump from season to season. And the uh, the highest we'll reach will be in seventy one seventy two. We'll have eleven fifty nine, and we won't have uh, that number again 
until uh, until the mid nineties. We'll, we'll, we won't cross that market again until until that point. So uh, yeah. it took took a long time for that to uh, happen. Of course, for NBA expansion to catch up to the point where it was the same number of games as the uh, early seventies, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah, that's <laughs> nuts. I mean, it's still a lot of professional basketball, yes. uh, especially in a country that wasn't really, I mean, like, enjoyed it. But yeah, it's just kind of fascinating that this is the time period where they decided, like, hey, you know what? Like, the whole ABA thing, and we talked about it before, it's just like, it's amazing that it, like, it lasted beyond, you know, a half of a year or whatever. Right. And it, it almost barely didn't. So it was, it was close there yeah. uh, for a bit. But yeah, it's just like odd to be like, you know what? This, this world needs is like double the amount of professional basketball games uh, at yeah. this period. It just seems like a weird period to do that. But hey, it worked. Yes. Uh, yes, so uh, some, uh, some some notable things about this season. Uh, Rick Barry, uh, he is again the leader uh, with a whopping two games um, this year. The the, the previous year uh, he did play, but only played thirty five games and because of injury. And he was on a stacked team that uh, ended up winning the ABA finals. Uh, he did have ten out of those uh, thirty five or forty plus, including one forty nine point game. So he got he got close, but not quite to fifty the previous year. But he gets back on the board in the nineteen seventy season. And uh, one big thing is we set a, a record of new members of the plus point club with five. Yes. Yeah, we got five new members here. We have Roger Brown, a guy we talked a lot about in our basketball mysteries of the 1970s uh, series. Spencer Haywood, Billy Cunningham, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's a silly name. That's not going to nobody's going to remember that one. Uh, and then Lou Hudson also came here. So uh, Kareem, I don't know anything about that guy. I guess we could try to do some research. Maybe in our next episode, we'll talk right, about we'll Kareem or, right, or, right. or maybe I don't know, like maybe we could. I don't know. I'm saying we could maybe do like a, a series. that's largely, you know, we, where we talk about him quite a lot or something. I mean, maybe the best one was the 70s. He came up a few times. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. go go back and listen. He might have came up a few times. But yeah. uh, the guy we're going to talk about here a little bit more, Lou Hudson, uh, Lou Hudson, uh, another smooth jump shooter as well. Uh, one of the players who never made the Hall of Fame. And it's like, really? <laughs> How did Lou Hudson not make the Hall of Fame? He's one. He's not quite like the, you know, they're, they're, we have our list of ones that we get very angry about. I don't know if Lou Hudson always is added on that list, but maybe we should retroactively add him to that he's, list. He's, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. And honestly, like, the longevity wasn't super there. So, I like, he's always he's someone where I look at the numbers, and I'm like, oh, I, I kind of guess why he's not in. But he kind of should be in. But, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to get too upset because it's like the Basketball Hall of Fame, and I, I, I don't right. care all that much. But, like, right. still, come on. Yeah, I mean, I'm, not? <laughs> I'm always in favor of honoring guys. So yeah, yeah, more so, people, more people. Right. I want the, I want the yeah. big hall. I want a big basketball hall of fame. But anyway, yeah. uh, of Hall of Fame eligible players, uh, he is sixth in Hall of Fame probability, which is a basketball reference uh, stat they have for uh, probability to make the Hall of Fame. Of course, uh, for reference, he's right in between Clay Thompson and Kyle Lowry. So, which is a, that's like such a weird delineation too, because like Clay Thompson, I would say, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, and then Kyle Lowry, I'd be like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> so I guess that's exactly where Lou Hudson should probably be is between those two guys, but. Uh, yeah, it's interesting there. Six-time All-Star, uh, one-time All-NBA second team, so that probably doesn't help his Hall of Fame uh, uh, eligibility there. Uh, 1973, he and Pete Maravich became the second set of teammates to score 2,000 points in a season. Uh, Elgin Baylor and Jerry West were the first ones to do that. Uh, Hudson appeared in the basketball movie. This, should, this is Hall of Fame worthy on its own. Uh, the basketball movie, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Uh, it's 1979, in case you want to uh, go back and watch it. Uh, moved to Park City, Utah after he retired, and he was elected to the city council in 1993, uh, and he's believed to have been the first African-American elected official in utah uh and his campaign uh campaign signs read sweet lou for you which is a great yeah. good name yeah. Good slogan. yeah yeah have you seen the fish of safe pittsburgh you know i did as a kid and i have not seen it in forever and i don't know why i should really go back and watch it is, yeah. it, is it good like i remember enjoying it as a kid but is it still does it hold up you know i have not seen it so i don't know um that's an omission for me i i've i have never as far as i i don't remember seeing it as a kid so i uh, i'm pretty sure that i've never seen it 
Yeah, I think I I, I went through a sp- uh, like a thing where I was just watching a bunch of old basketball movies or like any movie that had basketball at all. So like I maybe not have even understood it when I was like ten watching it or whatever. So maybe I should go back uh, and watch it. But obviously it's got you know Julius Irving, you know, got a mil- little metal arc lemon in there. It's, it seems like yeah. a movie that I really like. So I should yeah. go back and. And watch it. It's this time period I love too. I love the '70s, especially the late '70s. The music's awesome. The fashion's great. So um, I should really go. Yeah, I should really go back and watch it. We'll, we'll, we'll look into that. Yeah. So Marv um, Albert's in it. Oh my god! Now I gotta watch. Oh it. Well, yeah, obviously. Marv yeah. Albert and Chick Hearn and the Spinners. Oh come on. Oh <laughs> wow. Oh. Three of my favorite things. Yeah. Marv Albert, Chick right Hearn, and the Spinners. Right there. Uh, so uh, looking at just at a few of the key games, um, we have. Um, uh, Rick Barry uh, breaks his drought with his first 50 plus since 1967. This is in March of 1970, um, and then we have uh, we, we've got a bunch in late in the season. We have uh, we have two in March, uh, three in April, and one in May. And uh, three of the four in April and um, and May are playoff games. This sets a record for the most. Uh, this is the first season with a three 50 plus point playoff games. The only other time that's ever happened would be uh, 2001. Um, so yes, Billy Cunningham has the twelfth in playoff history, uh, the only the only fifty plus of his career. Uh, Spencer Haywood um, on uh, April fifteenth, he has fifty nine. Uh, he sets a pro record for the youngest at fifty plus, which will be broken by LeBron in two thousand five. He is the by the way the thirtieth player to cross the fifty plus point threshold. Uh, and then uh, Rick Barry has the first in ABA playoff history, um, 52 points, uh, 13 rebounds, uh, six assists. This is against the uh, this is against uh, this is Washington against uh, Denver. That was just, was kind of an interesting little uh, playoff series at uh, that point. Uh, Rick Barry against Spencer Haywood, and then uh, Roger Brown. He has the um, first and only in ABA finals history. And uh, he had 53, 39, and 45 in the final three games of the 1970 ABA Finals in which the Pacers beat the L.A. Stars. So Yeah, that's a great, great series there. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, I, I misspoke in the prior year when I said that uh, Louis Dampier, or, or Daryl Carrier's uh, 7 of 12 uh, from 3 uh, would last until 1995. It actually only lasted the next year. And then I think it lasts until 1995 because uh, ah. Louis Dampier put up nine threes uh, in his 55-point point game. Uh, earlier this year as well. So yeah, 21 shots, nine of them from three. So it's a pretty interesting little number there. But now I can officially declare that it's going to last until 1995. So. All right. Very good. Well, th- thank you for clarifying the record. We always let you do that here. So so uh, going back to 1971, uh, and we are uh, we're exploding in a number of games. We got 14 in all, uh, five of the NBA, nine in the ABA, and our leaders. Well, we have four different leaders who had two pl- two games of that year: Rick Barry, uh, Dan Issel getting on the board, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and uh, John Brisker. And in terms of new members, we set a record again with uh, seven new members in the 50 plus point club. Uh, John Brisker, who uh, has a fascinating story. So if, uh, we, we talked about it again in our, in our, our Basketball Mystery series, but uh, definitely do some reading on John Brisker if you can. Uh, he is a one of the more fascinating figures in, in, in pro basketball history, so that'll, that'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Joel Caldwell, Walt Wesley, Dave Bing, Stu Johnson, Dan Issel, and Steve Snapper-Jones. A few guys we want to talk about here. Uh, Stu Johnson was the one that I uh, had really had never heard about before I saw him on this doc, and I was like, all right, Stu Johnson, let's see what we can do here. Um, he's a graduate of Murray State, so you know he's—he's. He's, um, we know who he's rooting for uh, in this NCAA tournament is Murray State, but uh, he spent the 
1967 season in the North American Basketball League with the Benton Harbor Twin City Sailors and then later the Holland Carvers. <laughs> so uh, uh, interesting, aus- auspicious start to his pro basketball career. Uh, then he played nine seasons uh, in the ABA, but with seven different franchises, the Kentucky Colonels, the New Jersey Americans, slash the New York Nets, the Houston Mavericks, the Pittsburgh Pipers, slash the Pittsburgh Condors, the Carolina Cougars, the San Diego Conquistadors, the Memphis Sounds, the Baltimore Claws, uh, the San Diego Sales, and finally the San Antonio Spurs. All right, now I can take a breath. There we go. He set the ABA single-game scoring record uh, this year uh, when we said he got to 50 because he erupted for 62 points uh, against the Floridians March 6, 1971. Uh, his record lasted almost a year until Zemmel Beatty, who we'll talk about next year, scored 63 points uh, against the Pittsburgh Condors. Uh, after his ABA career, he joined the Indiana Wizards of the All-American Basketball Alliance League. So this dude is in leagues I never knew existed until today. The All-American Basketball Alliance League, which is a, uh, a quite a lengthy... I don't know what they were trying to go for with that name or acronym or whatever. Uh, I maybe they were trying to get some ABBA because it's like AABA. So maybe like I, I forget when did ABBA hit it big? Like this would have been many uh, this, years prior, yeah, no, right? Yeah, no, no, ABBA was this would have been reasonably close to the ABBA's peak. Yeah, they, okay, they, so they, like okay, seventies, so, yeah. Right. Maybe they just wanted people to think that they bought tickets to ABBA, and in fact, they bought tickets right. to the All-American Basketball Alliance League to watch the Indiana Wizards versus, I don't know, because I didn't know any other teams. Uh, league folded in February was less than a month after it started, so it did not last very long. Uh, and then Johnson went where everybody goes once they are done with the AABA. They go to Iceland, because then he joined the Icelandic Division One club Arman. Uh, as a player coach and then played for a bunch of other teams that I'm not even going to try to uh, pronounce because they, they feature way too many A's and, and, and things that I don't even know how to pronounce. So uh, he was in Iceland for quite a few years after that uh, and as a player coach. So that's a pretty interesting uh, career for uh, Stu Johnson. Yeah, that is fascinating. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing these. Yeah, I I had no idea about uh, about some of those the the AABA. Uh, I want to learn more about the uh, All American Basketball Alliance League. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. maybe the league part wasn't actually in the like it's listed here, but maybe they didn't add league. Maybe maybe they had enough with the All American. Yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense. A A B A L. Uh, that'd be a little bit much. Yeah, the A-A-B-A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you there do? was another. Why was there two AABAs? Oh, there were God. two. <laughs> In 2010, somebody else tried to make. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to. Do you want to know about this? Do you want to know about this? Is that the one where it's all white people or the one where it's yeah, all Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's that's no good. That's oh, no good. boy. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to talk about that one uh, on this yeah. show. But uh, no. Don Moose Lewis uh, wanted to uh, with players reportedly required to be natural born United States citizens. Oh, okay. uh, and players must be both of the Caucasian race. So. Oh, that's, that's, that's <laughs> shockingly that's... didn't get off the ground and nobody really wanted to watch. Yeah, it's like guys play basketball. So. Yeah, it's oh, no. Oh, my God. There, okay, yeah. I'm going to. Right. Did you hear the well, name of this reality show that he wanted? I no, I did not. Oh Jesus! Okay, he wanted to be called Snowball versus Broball. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yes, closing well, the tab. Well, all right. Well, hey, uh, you know the the, the president's a big fan, so uh, he yeah. Got that at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah he he was a few years ahead of time because this right. this would have really gotten off the ground in 2019. But right, uh, uh, well, uh, boy. Um, so, uh, so then we have also uh, uh, Dan Issel and Steve Snapper Jones uh, breaking into the uh, fifty plus uh, club uh, here. So, uh, so, so the Snapper, it's always nice to uh, get him in here. He was a a three time ABA All Star in three different cities: New Orleans, Memphis, and Dallas. He also played in Oakland, Carolina, Denver, and St. Louis in the ABA before finishing his career in the NBA with with Portland, where he had grown up and he'd gone to college in Oregon. Um, 
In Dallas, he actually played briefly with his brother, Nick, who was an uh, NBA and ABA journeyman. And I hadn't realized that his brother played in the league as well. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, it was one of the better three-point shooters of his era, known for his turnaround jumper. Uh, like Mike Conley, uh, apparently never had a tech call against him. Um, <laughs> just kind of fun. Uh, of course, do you, was, do you think Mike Conley knows that? Like, he has to know that, right? Oh, yeah. It, there's, like, stuff written about it. You know, every, okay, good. Like, yeah, he yeah. has to, like, be like, oh, what? Uh, uh, like, the ref's, like, getting mad at him. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm right. sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Because you got to go, now that you've gone this far in your career, you can't get a T now. Like, well, you got to really just, like, let it ride, right? Like, I wonder if, the, like, the refs are, like, have, like, a little pressure. Like, oh, like, you know, I, I can't be the first to call tech on him because, you know. Right, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah, what is wrong that, with me? You know, why right. am I the, like, like he is, <laughs> this man has had a clear, you know. Right. His, his resume is perfect. Why, what is wrong with me that I'm the one that's now yelling at him? Yeah, I, I like right. that. That's a. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, Snapper Jones, uh, very famous as a broadcaster. He was an analyst for NBC for 13 years. He and Bill Walton famously had a you know fun uh, on-screen uh, chemistry. And apparently no one has revealed where the Snapper nickname came from. So we can only guess what uh, what Snapper means. Mm, yeah, I never really – yeah, I never understood why that came from. I mean I just yeah. kind of accepted it as like his nickname, but I don't know if I ever actually uh... – uh, I'm guessing either – I'm guessing perhaps it might be vulgar. So that's probably the uh, – Yeah, there, there's a good chance that it is. Let's move on. All right. Let's check in with the teams here. So these are the teams that had the most 50-point games scored for them. I'm going to break this up into NBA and ABA or else it would take way too long. So we have to break it up a little bit here. Uh, this is our NBA teams with 50-point games in this area of Milwaukee with eight. San Francisco uh, with seven. The San Francisco Warriors, I should say, with seven. The Golden State Warriors with four. You could probably combine them if you want, but we we're going to separate them just for the purposes of this. Uh, Philadelphia, six. Los Angeles Lakers, three. Atlanta, three. Kansas City, Oklahoma City, three. Boston, two. Seattle, two. Portland, two. Baltimore, two. San Diego too, and then also New York, Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Buffalo with one apiece. Uh, uh, your ABA cor- teams. Rich, oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Brief correction. Uh, Kansas City, Omaha, not Kansas City. Oh, Oklahoma right. City. Why did I write Oklahoma City? Omaha. <laughs> right. Right. They didn't have a team then. So. No, they did not. <laughs> oh boy. Sorry. Yeah. I guess I don't know why. I, uh, no. uh, understandable mistake. So, ABA teams. Uh, Kentucky. Uh, New York, Pittsburgh, New York Americans. There's no point. I mean, they changed names and play, whatever. We're just going to go with the, the towns that they were in for this. Uh, Kentucky had five. Uh, New York had five. Uh, Pittsburgh had four. Indianapolis, four. Denver, three. Carolina, two. The Virginia Squires, three. Uh, Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis Pipers, two. Utah Stars, two. Washington Capitals, two. Conquistadors and pros. Memphis pros, one apiece for those. Uh, as far as opponents, uh, NBA opponents, uh, there's a lot here, so I'm going to try to do uh, as quick as I can. Cincinnati had six. Boston had six. LA, uh, six against them. Uh, Detroit, uh, or uh, sorry, Chicago, Houston, Philadelphia, Seattle, Houston, four apiece for them. Uh, Cleveland, Portland, three apiece for them. Detroit, New York, Atlanta, um, those were two apiece for those. And then Golden State, St. Louis, Phoenix, Milwaukee, and Kansas City, Omaha, one apiece. Uh, for those, and then as far as uh, favorite opponents for ABA 50-point games, uh, Carolina, five against them as well, which is pretty interesting because they know they were a pretty good team through uh, uh, a lot of it as well. Kentucky, four. Denver, four. Indiana, three. Pittsburgh, three. Uh, the Los Angeles Stars. New York, Dallas, Florida, Utah, two. Uh, Min- uh, Minneapolis, Oakland, Houston Mavericks, Miami, and Texas, one apiece for that. So nobody really stands out. Uh, it's kind of evenly distributed, but there are a lot of teams, which which kind of speaks to what we said is is it's not one dominant guy scoring a bunch of 50-point games. It, it's it's a bunch of different teams, a bunch of different guys all over the league scoring 50-point games. So it's just kind of noise. You, you know, like for the first time, there's really no trend that you can pick up other than like Kareem is good and, you know, <laughs> like Artis Gilmore is good. And like that's, you know what I mean? Like there's not really any like dramatic trends that you can kind of see from those team stats. 
at least, uh, you know, to me initially. Yeah, I mean, outside of yeah, outside of a few players carrying that, there's not really uh, a whole lot out there. I, I guess it's sort of interesting that Cincinnati keeps giving up so many, but um, but outside of that, not really. Uh, I, I agree, the larger trends are interesting, but not really telling us a whole lot. Um, Must be that skyline chili has got everybody. Uh, yeah, <laughs> up, so. there you go. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, disgusting. It's Ooh. so bad. It's so bad that they're like, you know what? <laughs> Screw yeah. these guys. I'm going to drop 50 on them. these guys. And yeah. stupid, How dare they call this? Yes. Uh, stupid wet chili crap with a – oh, God, it's yeah, gross. It's not good. Um – so a couple of notable things. Uh, John Brisker goes back-to-back uh, games uh, in November of 1970. He joins uh, Wilt um, Baylor and Al- or Elgin Baylor and Rick Barry to uh, do so. Uh, Alvin Hayes has 50 and 25, which is the most rebounds in a uh, 50-plus game until 2001. Uh, Rick Barry um, with uh, 53 points in January of 71. This is the first in Nets history. He is the first player with 50 on three different teams, and it is the 10th 50 of uh, his career. And, and I, I'm sorry, he's not the first with 50 because Wilhead would have done that already. So he would be the second with 50 on three different teams, I believe. Um, and uh, outside of that, uh, notable is that Dave Bing had uh, his only 50-plus point game of his career in February of 71. Uh, with 54 and, uh, and and seven rebounds. Um, and uh, Dan Nissel and Rick Barry both had 50-plus in the same day, although in different games. Uh, Barry actually had it on his 27th birthday. Uh, and then um, Steve Jones, uh, as we mentioned, uh, had 50-plus, the only 50-plus for the Memphis Pros franchise history. And, uh, and then Dan Issel, so he had it on, his first was on, uh, March 28th, 71, and then he has another one on March 30th, 71. However, these are not back-to-back 50-plus point games because uh, Kentucky played three games in a row um, on the 29th, so they were bookended by a, another uh, game. So, uh, And these are the only two 50-plus point games uh, in his career, despite him you know, being, I think, in the top 20 on the all-time scoring list. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. Yeah, there's a lot of fun names and fun little stats in this year. I, I, I like this one in particular. It's just got a lot of fun little notable stuff here with some of these guys. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so moving on to 1972, we have gone to 19 uh, games uh, with 50 Uh-oh. plus, uh, 10 in the ABA, nine in the NBA. Uh, our leader is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is five in this season. Five, half of the ones that he had in his career happened in this season. Uh, Barry has three. Uh, we have a new record for number of players with 50, uh, 11, and um, the most 50-plus point games since 1963. And this is the last time the rate of 50-plus games is above 1% until 1960, until 1987, rather. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just remarkable, especially, you know, given that... Uh... It's just, yeah, I, I, it's just weird. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's just like, wow, it's going to be a long time until uh, we get a lot of 50-point games again. So Yes, and, and with the 11 players who had 50-plus, that, that record was only uh, – was was, was actually tied very recently. As of this recording, Giannis Antetokounmpo tied that record in the 2019 season. Always – the season is not over yet, so always a chance that could be broken uh, this season, but that is the first. And this also has set a record for uh, – Number of first timers to the club with eight. Yeah, still in effect that that, that record as well. But uh, yeah, the names that uh, we're going to talk about here: but uh, Charlie Scott, Pete Maravich, Chet Walker, Zelmo Beatty. We talked about him a little bit early. Tiny Archibald, Willie Wise, Larry Miller, and Julius Irving. Uh, we're going to put a little bit of spotlight here on Willie Wise. I think uh, most of those other guys you probably have heard about a little bit, but uh, Willie Wise, I don't think we've talked about a ton here. Uh, and 
remember the ABA, which is a fantastic website. We use it all the time as a, as a great resource. Uh, has a lot of the stats of uh, and, or, and a lot of these fun facts here on Willie Wise that we're going to talk about here. Uh, three-time ABA All-Star, who along with uh, Zemo Beatty, Ron Boone, and Jimmy Jones were cornerstones of those uh, Utah Stars teams. Uh, they won the 71 title and made three finals. Uh, they both th- twice uh, fell to division finals to uh, uh, the Indiana Pacers. So the Utah Stars, kind of one of the one of the charter franchises, I'd say, for the ABA between Indiana and 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 maybe San Antonio uh, as well. Ones that really stood out and had some stability too, and 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 had some good success. Uh, nickname of Wondrous Willie. We we just we don't make them like that anymore, man. You know what I mean? Those nicknames, nobody would be you know be called Wondrous Willie ever again. But I'm I'm very glad that he was. Uh, incredible facial hair too, late in his career. Great facial hair. Great head of hair, just great 70s. Like he screamed 70s, and I love it. Uh, it's incredible. Um, it's pretty funny. He was working on the grounds crew for a minor league baseball team in Des Moines, Iowa, when the stars invited him to come for a tryout. I mean, that is that is awesome. That's that's only one of those stories, you know what I mean, that the ABA could have only created. That's why, like, Willie Wise may have never played professional basketball if not for this ABA. You know, it's like completely plausible he would never do that. And it sucks because he was great and he was fun and he was pretty good there. But uh, yeah, he was known as one of the premier ABA defenders. Uh, there's a quote here that says, My first and only goal coming to the ABA was to be a great defensive player. I loved playing defense. It's always a challenge to see if I could stop guys like Rick Berry. John Brisker and Roger Brown. Uh, Sports Illustrated once described him as the best two-way performer in pro basketball. So pretty good stuff there. Uh, and he was the only Utah star who did not wear a flag patch on his shorts, uh, on his shorts because he was a Jehovah's Witness. Um, and then, yeah, um, some in, uh, some insights on uh, to the interesting perspective he had on his game. This is a quote from a, a SI Vault article back from uh, 1974, February 25th, 1974. He says, my overall game has suffered. He says, even though his 22.5 point average puts him fifth in the league, in an unspoken way, the burden of offense has been laid on me. That part of the game takes most of my energy now. Why does prefer to be the 15 point uh, scorer? Uh, he was as a young pro and go back to concentrating on defense, trying to play the way Gus Johnson and David DeBusher did when he watched them so avidly before joining the Stars. He says, quote here, I looked at Dr. J and George McGinnis and Billy Cunningham and how they can jump over their men and drive recklessly, and I wonder how they'd be if they were anticipating pain when they moved. I wonder how good it would be if I could just go out on the floor and do it without thinking. So, um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty sick stuff there, but uh, yeah, it's really wise who uh, we haven't really... Uh, Touched on too much there, but a pretty important figure in uh, in ABA history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, definitely an interesting character. Um, yeah, I thought there was some good. Uh, I thought really the SA Vault article just you don't hear a player talk really about that about how um, uh, you know just just sort of like talking about like having like a little bit of fear you know like playing with a little bit of fear like wondering like oh if i could just leave kind of this mental stuff you know out how good could i be you know that kind of stuff i just thought that was really interesting and, and just you know that thing they focus on and obviously you know what led as you talked about you know was one of the key players for a really really successful team that you know won a championship came and came close to you know a few others i uh, got knocked down by the pacers a few times who were obviously the big dynasty of the um of the aba uh go ahead Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, we, I mentioned before, yeah, like Utah and, and, and Indiana seemed like real kind of from the east were, were, were kind of the charter franchise. And then a few other ones is obviously that popped up as well. But yeah, Utah uh, probably doesn't get their love as much as, as kind of one of the better teams of the ABA just because, yeah, obviously the titles uh, didn't always go there. But they got one. They got 1971. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a few notable. There's a lot of games here, so we won't go through all of them. But um, Pete Maravich and John Brisker end up having a 50 on the same night, but in different leagues. And a fun fact, Maravich and Brisker were born only seven days apart. So um, very, very close in age. Um, Jet Walker has the first 
uh, has the first 50 plus in Bulls uh, history. Uh, he has it at age uh, almost age 32, just a, just a few days shy of his 32nd birthday. Um, and um, and Kareem has uh, he had three 50 plus in 10 days out of 10 50 plus for his career. So uh, the final one was 53, uh, 13 and nine on 70 true shooting percentage. Uh, Zelmo Beatty has, um, he ended up, uh, having 63 to set the record for most points in ABA history, which lasted about a month. Uh, he also had 15 rebounds and 83 true shooting, um, at uh, that point. Um, and Willie Wise and Tanya Archibald actually had 50 plus in the, um, uh, on the same night, but uh, again, in different leagues and, uh, and Zelmo and Wise, uh, had their 50 plus point games two days apart for the, uh, for the same franchise. So, uh, a fun one there. And then Larry Miller uh, ended up breaking the record. We talked about this in a previous episode because he's one of the more obscure players, Def 50 plus, but he uh, had 67 in uh, <laughs> uh, on uh, March 18th, uh, 1972. Yeah, and unfortunately, he's almost Beatty. I, I mentioned he, you know, he defeated, he broke uh, Stu Johnson's uh, ABA record for, for points scored by getting right. 63. Uh, and then just like a, like a less than a month later, <laughs> Larry Miller goes and drops 67, which that's going to be tough to top there with uh, Larry Miller. But yeah, Larry Miller, one of the rare, like, who like what's that? He's got like an all-time great scoring total, like all-time all-time great there with sixty-seven. So it's pretty fun. Uh, yes. See, you know, just about anybody can do it sometimes. So and does it without? As far as I can tell, uh, you know, his stats are a little tough, but looks like no three-pointers either. So just straight shots and free throws. He was seventeen of twenty-three from the free throw line, so that certainly helps a lot too. But uh, yeah, pretty interesting there. That he does it without the three. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Barry, um, Rick Barry has his uh, third uh, playoff fifty-plus in his career out of fifteen total in pro history. Um, and, uh, Julius Irving has his, uh, first 50 plus it happens in the playoffs, uh, 53 points. Um, and he and, uh, Charlie Scott both did it for the squires that season, but, but by the time Irving got to 50, uh, Scott had, uh, defected to the, uh, NBA, the left squire. So they, so they didn't quite do it as teammates, but they both did it for the same team in the same season. So close enough, I guess. <laughs> yes. I like these two league things where you guys just, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I like yes. It. Yeah. You know what? This is stupid. I'm out. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's good leverage. I mean, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, I guess. Yeah. So. You can do that to the big three right now. You could say, Hey, you know, I'm not liking yeah. my spot. I'm going to uh, go to the, the big, big three. Big, yeah. <laughs> but probably not. Cause they don't play the same season. So that yeah. would be, not, not, like, I mean, you should just play in the NBA. You should probably just do the NBA right now. But hey, that makes the most sense. Probably. Yes, <laughs> I agree with you. So uh, and then, yeah, going into the 1973 season, we uh, we're, we're back down. Uh, the, the the rates dr- drop significantly in the ABA. We only have one ABA a 50 plus point game and nine in the NBA. Uh, Tiny Archibald is our leader with three, and we have uh, we have four new members of the uh, club this season. Um, so, so, so quite a adding to all the new names that we're getting in this club. Yeah, this is uh, it's a fun little year as well. Um, in terms of new guys, uh, George McGinnis, uh, Phil Chenier, uh Jeff Petrie, and John Havlicek. So just a, an odd eclectic uh, group of people there. Uh, we'll bring up Jeff Petrie uh, a little bit more here. I think we've talked about some of these other guys uh, quite a bit, but I uh, don't know that we've ever delved into uh, Jeff Petrie too much. Original Trailblazer, the first uh, star, really, of, of, of the Trailblazers. There. He's a 1971 co-rookie of the year. He's also a two-time All-Star. Uh, he's only the second guard to score 2,000 points as a rookie. Uh, Oscar Robertson, the other one that does that. Uh, he's credited as the first NBA player to switch from Converse to Nike, which is a bold move 
move at the time, uh, but ended up probably being a pretty good idea. And now, obviously, it seems like wild now that like Nike, what is this upstart Nike? You got to wear Converse's kid. Like that's what everybody wears uh, in the 70s. But that's pretty interesting. Uh, he was traded to the Atlanta Hawks in a deal that led uh, to Portland uh, picking Maurice Lucas uh, in the ABA dispersal draft uh, before he could play for the Hawks. Uh, Petrie had knee surgery because of chronic uh, injuries and unfortunately never played again. So, yeah, it's kind of a fun fact, too, that like it really I mean, it was a great pick, obviously a great trade for for Portland. But, yeah, it's kind of interesting that, you know, their original star, their biggest player ended up becoming a big deal, you know, in terms of of you know, getting traded and getting traded from Maurice Lucas and, and really not becoming synonymous with the, the, the success that Portland would have, you know, in the, in the late seventies there, unfortunately too late uh, for him later. He was GM uh, for the Kings uh, really good years as well. Um, and then some not good years, too, but I, like there were, there were good Kings years and then there were bad Kings years uh, with him as, uh, as GM. And I really remember him as more of a GM than a player. Do, do you kind of have the same as well? Like I kind of forget that, that, that he was a player and that he was a good player too. I always remember him as the GM though, for sure. Yeah, and his his career was pretty short lived as a player, but he absolutely was, you know, for six seasons or so. Yeah, a little. It's a little bit like Brandon Roy in terms of like he was a you know a, a big star for a short period of time. Uh, Happened to be for the same <laughs> franchise, you know. Yeah, I I, I think right You're making yeah. Portland fans very sad. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Well, you know, you got a championship out of the out of the picture trade, so I guess uh, it was worse for the Hawks there. So the Hawks got, uh, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, and, and not 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 that important, but. Um, in terms of bad Hawks memories, it's, it's up there. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, they – yeah, he was definitely, you know, a, a very good player at a, you know, a good career. Was – I don't think quite Hall of Fame level career, but definitely, a, you know, very good one. It been interesting to see if he could have stayed with Portland and, you know, been part of that success if that, if that would have worked out. But I guess probably the mix they had was almost perfect that adding anybody significant to it probably would have not made it work quite as well. Um, but yeah, as you said, I, I thought the, the, there's an SI article, um, that was interesting in terms of looking at him in 2002, how talking about how his front office impact, um, made him compare to Jerry West, the GM after he had been compared to Jerry West, the player, uh, during his career. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Unfortunately, <laughs> fortunately, as the Kings, uh, stopped having success, yeah. those comparisons you know, kind of fell <laughs> off, but you know. There was a time. I mean, there For was a time, time where, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Kings were, I mean, it, it, it's hard to believe there was a point where the Kings were like a model NBA franchise. I, I right. swear, I promise on my, that it was a thing yeah. for a while. It didn't yeah. last long, but it yeah. was a thing for a while. And now, hey, I mean, yeah. well, they're there okay are children they're okay that, this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're getting better. But yeah, there were yeah. children. Uh, there are maybe people listening to this that, that that don't believe it, but there was a time where the Kings were uh, a good franchise. So right. That, yeah. That had stability and, and, drafted well and played yeah. in the playoffs but uh not now but hey they're close no you know? yeah maybe next year yeah darren fox is, is doing his, doing yeah, his thing hey, there, so. yeah it's cool no I, all right I'm let's about, get to uh yeah. sorry not to interrupt you there Any, no. anything else on that year and uh, no you go ahead rich okay cool i just want to break down a little bit of the positions here that's i think is a pretty interesting thing to kind of jump into here uh nba so the positions in this era uh that scored 50 point games centers still dominating the field at 32 percent, but that's not nearly as much as it was in some other uh instances there forwards uh as designated by uh basketball reference 22 percent guards 26 percent, and then the forward guards six percent forward center eight percent uh center forwards four and guard forward two but essentially they're the big ones there center 32 forward 22 guard 26 a pretty even disbursement there uh, for the first time i think in, in in this series we're seeing that the big men are are not the only ones are not the dominant ones, at least in, in, you know, still the highest, but not, you know, all the way, like completely dominating the field like they were in prior years. And it's even more interesting in the ABA. And this, I, I wonder is a result of the three point shot or floor spacing or whatever, but 
ABA position, small forward, 40%. So the majority of 50-point games in the ABA coming from small forwards. Shooting guards, 17.1%. Power forwards, also 17.1%. Uh, Point guards, 11.4%. And centers, 11.4%. So I thought that was fascinating that centers uh, were as low as they were and that small forwards were, were kind of the dominant 50-point game scores in in uh, the ABA. Uh, as far as win-loss records, uh, if you have a 50-point score in a game, uh, you're going to win 84% of your games in this era. You're going to lose 16%. On the ABA, which is <laughs> perfect for the ABA, uh, you're going to win 65.7% of your games with a 50-point score, but you're going to lose 31.4%, which I found I found pretty fascinating. It feels like it should be much, much higher than that, but it is the ABA, so, you know, like, it is, yeah. of course the ABA would have, like, not a guarantee if you guys score 50 points, you're going to win a game. I, I like that. That's, yeah, that's, that's perfect that's, for that league. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely perfect. Yes. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it's interesting to see the positional difference between the leagues. Um, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, I, th- I think the reputation for the bi- big men was better in the NBA. And Kareem Georgia Bar's probably driving some of that and you know, maybe sure. a couple oh, of yeah, the guys. Sure. And, and, you know, the ABA, obviously, you know, they had incredible forwards. You know, Rick Barry, Julius Irving, um, you know, uh, John Brisker, you know, those, those type of guys who, uh, you know, mostly forwards and a few guys of those guys regards George McGinnis later, you know, so uh, so that does make some sense. But it, it is kind of interesting how that uh, shakes out. Yeah, not you know, there were some great centers in the ABA, uh, um, but not not really primarily scoring centers. I mean, um you know, so so that does make some sense. Um, yeah, and that, made, that was one of the things that made the ABA, I think, so fun to watch and and, and so yeah. fun to kind of follow was too is that it was like sort of this changing of the guard in the NBA style where it was like, hey, you had some good big men, but like the the guards and the forwards, and these guys are high flyers and they're shooting and they're doing all this sort of stuff. And it's like, oh crap, like this is a it's a whole different ball game here. So yeah, I, I, I found that that it got represented pretty well here in that in that positional breakdown uh, for fifty point games. But uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so going through a few of the games in 73, uh, Tiny Archibald in November of 72, he has 51 and 14 assists, which tied the record for most assists in a uh, 50 plus point game. Uh, th- this record was broken in uh, 2017. Um and uh, George McGinnis ha- has the only ABA 50 plus point game. This is the year after um, Rick Barry, um, John Brisker, and Charlie Scott all defected to the NBA, and Julius Irving tried to. Um, and he had uh, 58, 16 rebounds, and eight steals, which uh, set a record for steals in a 50 plus point game. Now, we, uh, uh, this is also. I believe might be the first game in which we have steals recorded in a 50 plus point game. Cause it was, they were recorded in the ABA, uh, not recorded yet in the NBA. So, uh, the intrepid box scorekeeper apparently kept that in uh, that individual <laughs> game. But so, um, but I, it's hard to imagine there were a lot of games where there were eight steals. Uh, although, you know, with Will, you never know, uh, Will, Will could basically break the numbers whenever he wanted to. So, um, so yes, uh, let's see Rick Barry, uh, Back in the NBA has uh, has a fifty plus point game. Uh, this is the first for Golden State after they go to be from being the San Francisco to the Golden State Warriors, and then he and LeBron. So let, let me. This is going to be maybe a hard one to explain, but <laughs> all right, here we go. So he and LeBron are the only players who have 50 plus with the same team in different stints. So obviously Barry was with the Warriors twice, and LeBron was with the Cavs twice, um, and also four separate franchise tenures. So for example, Barry played for the Warriors, got 50, played for the Capitals, got 50, played for the Nets, got 50, and then the Warriors again and got 50. So Got it. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so four separate instances with the franchise, even though it was the same franchise in two of those occasions, it's still, I think, you know, four different tenures. So, and then this was uh, uh, the uh, the 15th 50 plus point game of uh, his career. 
Uh, and then, uh, yes, Jeff Petrie actually had two in this uh, season, uh, just a couple months apart. Uh, and his, uh, again, maybe a little surprising to have, see him on this list, but his 21.82 points per game average is actually 37th all time. So, uh, you know, you're in the top 37 all, all time points per game scores. That says something about your place in NBA history, even if it's a, a bit of a shorter career. Uh, and then John, yeah, Havl- yeah, and then John Havlicek, um, he has the seventeenth uh, fifty-plus point game in, in uh, playoff history. Is his only one of his career, uh, and he was the oldest to score fifty-plus for the first time. That record be broken in two thousand by Cliff Robinson, and he'll be the fiftieth player to cross a fifty-plus uh, point in the game. So there you go, front yeah. of the show, Cliff Robinson. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolute friend of the, friend of the show, yes. Uh, <laughs> good, very good friend of the friend show. Yes. Jason, Jason Cliff Robinson. Lo- loves the show. Lo- loves, loves me and, and loves the show. Yeah, so, yeah, he, definitely, definitely have a listener, <laughs> yes. So the uh, the final year of our look here is 1974. It is uh, There were seven games total, uh, five in the NBA, two in the ABA. Uh, Rick Barry is our leader with three overall, as he has been for most of these seasons. And then we have three new members to our club. Yeah, we got Bo Lamar. Bob McAdoo and uh, good old good friend downtown Fred Brown. We talked a little bit about Fred Brown, but we'll do a little bit more here. Uh, known for his long distance shooting, playing most of his career uh, before the NBA three pointers, which is an unfortunate. Is <laughs> that good long distance shooter, but didn't play uh, when the when the three pointer was around? So it's unfortunate there. Uh, played for the Sonics his entire career, thirteen seasons there. Uh, at the time he retired, he was tied for sixth for most seasons spent with only one team. Uh, had a bit of a slow start to his career. Uh, he was competing with guys like Lenny Wilkins, Dick Snyder, and John Brisker for minutes. Uh, really just emerged as a scoring star uh, in 1975 when Bill Russell became the coach uh, with he and Spencer Haywood leading the team back to the playoffs uh, and pairing with Colt favorite uh, Slick Watts in the backcourt. So a pretty famous uh, Seattle uh, team there. Uh, when Lenny Wilkins took over his coach uh, 1978 season, uh, he decided to make Gus Williams and Dennis Johnson the starting backcourt and bring Brown off the bench. Uh, he dubbed Brown instant offense, and the team made the finals in 1978, and then, of course, would win the title the next year in 1979 with that combo. So it was kind of your, your Jamal Crawford type. You're, you're, you know, you are good enough to start, but we think you're better coming off the bench type guy, which, you know, the Manu Ginobili role, we, we talked about many times, the J- Jamal Crawford role, like being that great six-man. Uh, Jason Terry for many years as well was that sort of guy, so definitely a, a pretty good role for him. Uh, led the league in three Three-point shooting percentage in 1980, the first year the league used the new rule. Uh, it was 44.3% uh, in only 88 attempts, but that was 15th in the league. Uh, went on to have a career as a banker after his playing days as well. But yeah, I'm fascinated to see how he would have... I mean, you're talking about the end of his career and he's shooting 44.3%. You know, Obviously, it's only 88 attempts. It's not that much. But yeah, you wonder, had that the three-point line been there for a while, You know, how would we think differently about him? Maybe he had been... He'd be a little bit more of a prolific scorer than he was. You know, Obviously, he gets a 50-point game in this year. But uh, yeah, you, you can imagine him You know, for for how good he was at long distance shooting uh, and doing it without the three-point line. It would have been pretty interesting to see you know, how, how his career would have changed You know, with, with the inclusion of that three-point line. Yeah, he definitely seems like a guy who could have benefited from being, you know, like 10 years later and, you know, uh, being in that era. He was a very good player for the one he has. I'm sure, you know, he's happy with his career, but uh, that definitely seems like he might have been a guy who that would have changed a little bit or if he'd been able to play in the ABA or whatever. But I'm sure he liked getting paid on time. So uh, probably preferred the uh, NBA over the ABA. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Getting paid and your team not immediately like folding on any given night is is, is certainly uh a yeah you enjoy that yeah (laughs) the the, the finer things in life like you know getting paid or knowing that your team is going to exist the next day so right it's it's important (laughs) so um we've got a uh so going through a few of the games in uh, 74 as you mentioned rick barry has three of these uh, games um george mcginnis in uh, january of 74 
He has uh, 52 and 37 rebounds. Uh, he joins uh, Wilt, Mikan, Baylor, Pettit, and uh, Mel Daniels in the 50-30 club. No one has done it six. And uh, 16 offensive rebounds in this game. This is the most that has been recorded in a 50-plus point game. Now, offensive rebounds have not been recorded in many of these games um, You know, before those were really kept track of separately. So it's definitely possible, and I, I would say perhaps pretty likely, given you know, one of those crazy wilt rebounding games where it hasn't broken. But as far as we know, this is the most that's been recorded. So, Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Bo Lamar, who I—, I forgot to mention is uh columbus's own bull lamar so and oh my uh, god this list yeah. is columbus studded up and down yeah man. Wow. and uh a teammate of uh larry miller at this point as well also from columbus so two columbus players oh, uh, in uh, san diego you're making this up there can't I, be this many talented people from columbus ohio there's no way i i i i, I swear rich that is true i i would I thought, you were, I thought you were columbus finest son but apparently you're not probably so. not probably it's bull lamar yeah so <laughs> it's bull lamar the, uh, i didn't know that so the the pacers ended up giving up 50 50 one night after getting a 50 in a, that's incredible a game. so that's awesome <laughs> um yes and uh Bo, he had he had 50 points on 46 shot attempts for uh 51 uh, true, uh, shooting percentage <laughs> so uh not the most efficient one but hey i'm sure the cues they, they took the win you know i'm sure they were happy you know, absolutely to, uh, yeah they, they didn't get that many wins so i'm sure they were yeah. happy for that one what's interesting too is yeah so he's three and nine from three so it wasn't like he had a lot of three-pointers in that game and he was like three or five from three pole line. So wh- where was he shooting from? Did it like, was he just like a horrible at, at layups or was he just like he loved 19 footers? Like what? I'm just fascinated by this. These numbers like you would think with that sort of number there that like, OK, well, then he's got a bunch of free throws or whatnot. Like, no, he, 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 I, I don't understand. Like, why, why did he shoot so much? Where was he shooting from? Because they weren't threes and they weren't free throws. So I don't know where he was. Where, I'd love to see a game tape on yeah. this Bo, Bo Lamar 50 point game. But yeah, and 19 to 35, you know, it could be worse. You know, so, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And um, and then uh, we, we have Bob McAdoo getting the first 50-plus out of um, five of his career. Uh, this is the first in Braves Clippers history. In fact, he was the only Buffalo Brave to score 50-plus uh, in his career. Um, and he had 52 and, 52 and 22 rebounds. So a uh, nice stat line there. Uh, and Rick's, uh, going back to Rick Barry, his uh, stat lines this year were pretty interesting. Uh he had his first one was 59 and 9, his second 51, 6, and 11, and then his final one on uh, March 26th was uh, 64, uh, 10, 9, and 5 steals. So very close to a triple double there with 5 steals. Uh, this is his career high in points, uh, his only 60 plus point game, and he passed Elgin Baylor for his 19th 50 plus point game which at the time was second in nba history obviously only uh well in pro history only behind of course will chamberlain yeah so. mm-hmm. and uh and then so fred brown's 58 points uh six rebounds and uh, three assists two steals there for uh against uh, gold state actually yeah so against uh, rick berry's uh gold state warriors and these actually happened uh, three days apart although golden states was uh the final one was against uh, portland so uh and Rick had 45 shots in this game, but you know, 64 points, uh, 45 shots, not too bad. Uh, am I correct? And this is the uh, Rick Barry's the 64 uh, that Barry had on, in, in March. I think that's the first 60 pointer since Wilt in 69. Does that sound about right to you? I'm looking at these other guys because it was Stu Johnson who obviously had 60, Zemo Beatty, uh, Larry Miller, all ABA guys, but uh, Rick Barry doing it uh, NBA. I think he was last since, yeah, Wilt in, in, in 69, that last final. Uh, Wilt uh, yeah, year, I, yeah. I believe, was the last one, if I'm looking at that correctly. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, absolutely so yeah so we're uh 
we are through this uh, the era, the the Rick Barry era, you could call it, I guess, with him. Although, <laughs> yeah. although again, not, not really, you know, one dominant star. More no, just, yeah, like Jabbar is yeah. there too, but not like dominant enough. Like, yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised. Like, I assumed when I saw this era that it's like, oh, here we go, it's the Wilt era, you know, it's the, it's the Cream era, I should say. And like, yeah, he's, he's, he appears, but he's not like any more dramatically there than you know Rick Barry is, or or or, or a few of these other guys too. I mean, there's a bunch of guys we've said a few different times. We, we mentioned their names or whatnot, but. Uh, yeah, I think it, it it's fitting to the 70s and, and, and the late 60s that it's just like there's not really one guy. It's just like a lot of dudes, you know, doing doing this thing here. But yeah, Kareem and, 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 and Barry probably the most dominant of those. But yeah, it, it is spread around pretty, uh, pretty evenly. Yeah, like I said, a lot of new members to this club. Not not really an exclusive club anymore, but uh, yeah, definitely fascinating look. Uh, this this has been fun to dive into these games and you know, find interesting stats and find interesting trends and all that good stuff. Hope everyone is enjoying it, and uh, you can uh, let us know if you're enjoying it or not enjoying it. I guess uh, by uh, finding us on Twitter or Facebook at Over and Back uh, NBA and. Uh, if you enjoy what we're doing, you can leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're pretty much on every platform. And you can find us at um, at the Step Back at uh, Fansided. And it's a great, great site with a lot of good basketball coverage. We're you know kind of winding down in the uh, regular season, going to be getting into the playoffs soon, going to have a lot of fascinating stuff happen. So it's a great uh, source for uh, really interesting perspectives on uh, NBA past and present. So uh, check that out. Anything else, Rich? Uh, no, that's it. Yeah, this is a, a super fun episode. It kind of gets into some new names and some new people and new leagues and all that some stuff. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm good. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah the ABA will be closing down on us. We'll be getting into the Aww. end of the ABA era, and then we'll be get kind of getting into the uh, late '70s and uh, early '80s and kind of the pre Michael Jordan um, era of the uh, of the NBA and, and ABA here. So that's that's gonna be a fun look as well. There's gonna uh, gonna be some interesting names that are gonna pop up there and some fun stories. So uh, you know we're gonna keep doing this until. I guess we get to uh, the modern era. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back again soon. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.